Welcome everyone to Creating a Family, talk about adoption and foster care. I'm Dawn Davenport. I am the host of this show as well as the director of the nonprofit creatingafamily.org. Today we're going to be talking about protecting our kids from sexual exploitation and trafficking. This is a topic that a lot of the children that we serve and our families parent are vulnerable to. So I am very much looking forward to this discussion. Today, we're going to be talking with Audrey Morrissey. She is the co-executive director of the organization My Life, My Choice, which is a nonprofit fighting sexual exploitation of youth. All right. So, Audrey, what are some of the different forms that sexual exploitation can take? What do we what do we mean? How broad is that category? Oh, my goodness. It's a, you know, exploitation can go anywhere from street prostitution, strip clubs, gang-based exploitation, interfamiliar exploitation. Um, we know today it's internet-based exploitation is really big. It can also come in the form of child pornography. So there are so many different areas of which a young person can be exploited. Yeah. Yeah. How does this differ from sexual trafficking or is it one and the same? It is one and the same. Anytime you are, I have to be clear that at My Life, My Choice, you know, we serve youth and we work with adolescent youth under the age of 18 who either it has been revealed that the young person has been exploited or is at high risk for exploitation. And so the age range that we predominantly serve is uh, under 18, usually starting the youngest is probably around the age of 12. We know that it can also happen at a younger age, but what we know for sure on a nationally, the average age for entry is 12 to 14 years old, where a youth can be trafficked. And to be clear, trafficking of a youth doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean state lines. If you are exploiting a child and someone is profiting for the sale from the sale of that youth, that is trafficking and it's commercial sex. We use the term commercial sexual exploitation of children, but under the law, if there was a charge brought against the exploiter, the charge would be for trafficking. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that, but that does not mean that it has to go across state lines. Is that absolutely not? Absolutely not. In Massachusetts, as long as they can, as long as you can prove that someone is selling a youth under the age of 18, they will be they will be charged with human trafficking. There was a time exploiters might have beat a case by saying, hey, she had a fake ID or he had a fake ID or, you know, I didn't know. And in those cases, usually if they did have a fake ID and those circumstances, uh, it's usually a fake ID that the exploiter had gotten for them in the first place. But they would, uh, you know, could beat a case in that way. But in Massachusetts, if you are found, if you are found to have sold the child, you'll be charged with human trafficking. And I would assume that this is uh, our audience is national. So I am assuming that this would be the case in most states that uh, the laws is just covered by state law, unless you're crossing state lines. And then that's a federal law. But, but assuming that it's going to be covered by state law, most states have, if not all states, have youth trafficking, sexual trafficking laws, I would assume. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as you said, the charges, you know, if you cross in state lines, like you said, 
trafficking a child across from state to state would be a whole nother charge. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is that the safe harbor law, um, which is in most states, protects youth against human trafficking, like our, our department in Massachusetts, our Department of Children's and Families, you can file 51 A's and there's someone in all of our child protective services offices who heads up uh, human trafficking so that when it is when someone files a 51A, which is, you know, abuse of a child, those cases go directly to the person who oversees that department in our child welfare system. And all child welfare systems have a child sexual exploitation person. I, I know of no state that doesn't have, uh, that it can't be reported to their. We have some exciting new news, and that is that we now are offering 12 free online courses at the creatingafamily.org online parent training center. These courses are brought to you by the Jockey Being Family Foundation. You can access them by going to bit.ly slash JBF support. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash J-B-F support. Going to that page, you will see the 12 courses. You can click to buy them and they will be free. When you go to check out, the $20 charge will not be there. So you will get them for free. And you can use them for, of course, just improving your parenting. But if you also need uh, continuing education or in-service training as a foster parent, most organizations accept these courses. They come with a certificate of completion. Check it out. Let's talk about the forms of internet exploitation, as we, you and I both know, that is one of the predominant problems that we see. So how does that look? What, how are children victimized utilizing the, the internet? First of all, most of the recruitment now is done on the internet. Myself as a survivor of the commercial sex industry, when I was younger and I was recruited in, it was face-to-face recruitment. We know now that our youth are on social media at an enormous rate. You know, even yeah. the youth that I work with, I'm like, when I call them, very rarely do they even hold phone conversations. I can dial their phone, they won't answer. But yeah. then if I text them or go through social media, right there I'll with get you. a response. Yep. I'll get a response. Mm-hmm. And so traffickers know that that's where our youth are hanging out. So they're in all of those sites. And then a lot of times, how do, they, how do they get the phone numbers for the kids? Well, you don't need phone numbers well, when you text through social media. Oh, you do, okay. You're doing, they're not texting right? them. They're just, they're, te- they're ac- yes. accessing them through. Right. Okay. So that's how they're really getting them through social media. You know, someone requests, you know, cause it's, it's really about like having a lot of followers, yep. you know, the Facebook thing, the, the young people, they want nothing to do with that. Facebook now is for old people. Yeah. Right. But you have all these other sites. And if you have all these followers, you know, if you ask, well, who's that guy you're talking to? Well, that's my friend's friend's friend. So mm-hmm. I say that to say, even the recruitment begins online. It could be a young person has a picture up. Let's give an example uh, in a bikini, right? Mm-hmm. This person sees this photo and then, oh my God, you're really sexy. Oh my goodness. You know, you could really make a lot of money with that body. You know, oh my God, you shouldn't even be posting those pictures. Let, you know, people are looking at you, you know, you know, I could make you a star. You could be a model. Um, But the bottom line, whatever tactic that they use, once they have 
gotten the trust of this youth, then it becomes setting up that in, that in-person meeting, right? And then after that in-person meeting, I just walk you through the youth we serve at My Life, My Choice, where they uh, think of a young person I've worked with and talking to someone online. And then they, they meet the person at the library, right? Mm-hmm. She thought she was slick enough. I'm not going to tell you where I live, but I'll meet you at the library. And then she ended up leaving the library with them. He took her across state lines. He took her to a hotel. He did what he had sex with her, did what he wanted to do with her, and then took a picture of her. This is how easy it is online. He took a picture of her in her brown panties, posted it online. This is how easy this is. Posted it online on a site, and within an hour, there was someone at the hotel door, a buyer, there to purchase her, right? And so that is how our youth are being um, being sold. In my day, we were visible, right? There was the, the street. People saw you. Someone would see you on the corner, tell your mother, I've seen your daughter in the combat zone. What is happening now, there are thousands and thousands of ads. It's easier to move you from state to state to state to state, right? And place them in a hotel room. And I'll tell you something. When I think about a young person being in a hotel room and the only person that knows she's in that hotel is the exploiter that put her there and the buyer that's buying her. We have to be really like when I was in a life, if a buyer said to me, listen, come to my hotel room. I'm in room 301. There were many times that I went to the hotel and I was stopped in the lobby. Miss, where are you going? Do you have a room here? And I always ask people, do you think they stop a white male when he goes into a hotel lobby to go to room 301 to purchase one of our children? Do you think anyone ever stops him and says, sir, do you have a room here? Absolutely not. So online is where all of the most of the recruitment is taking place. And 80 percent of the sales of our children is online. Yeah. So the the typical scenario is that the exploiter finds uh, young people online, starts up a conversation, wins their trust, sets up a personal meeting. And that from that point on, the child is is being exploited. Is that the typical scenario? The typical scenario. And here's the thing. It doesn't have to happen. Remember, with online, this exploiter, he's trying to, might be talking to 10 and 15 youth at a time. Do you Mm -hmm. understand what I'm saying? Because it's it's online. Mm -hmm. So where one, he might gain their trust in a week. Another one, it might take two months or three months. But however long it takes to groom this young person. And a lot of times the exploiters, if they know they're talking to a 16 year old, a lot of times they're saying they're a kid too, right? Until they, right, meet them in person. And then it'll start with, oh, send me a picture. You know, then it's, right, it might go to sending pictures of body parts. And I've, I've seen that happen a lot too, where they think it's safe because they're online and exchanging photos and then that exploiter says, right, if you don't work for me, you know, like I'm going to put these pictures all over the Internet. So there's all kinds of tactics that are being used. But when you think of that exploiter whose role is to recruit youth 
through social media. You're talking someone who's set up. I'm talking sitting on, on that computer for hours, might be talking to a list of victims, two or three at a time yeah. and grooming them because, you know, the process of gaining their trust. So it is so, so common that even even now through video games, even our boys who are you know playing video games, the, our youth are talking to strangers, people that they don't know, whether it's through gaming or through the internet. We've heard it's particularly with boys, right? Gaming. That you know, they're talking to these adult these adult men and are they're constantly talking to people that they don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and when you talk about grooming, it's basically gaining trust. That's what we mean by grooming. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about tactics, there are four major tactics that exploiters use. Befriending. It's a good one. You can befriend online. Mm-hmm. Coercion. You sent me the picture of you, with, you know, with no clothes on. If you don't work for me, I'll show these to someone. Right. Or I'll get your little sister, I know you told me where your little sister goes to school, right? And then you have in person with our gang members who are cashing in force, right? But then the most powerful tactic of them all is the tactic of seduction. And you can seduce someone. Listen, when I, I, I used to would lean towards God to really seduce someone, you'd have to be in person. But social media is such a thing and a way of communication. You can seduce all those tactics you can use online. Mm-hmm. And seduction means you're beautiful. Things like you're beautiful. I would, I want to date you or. Getting you know. her to fall madly in love with, with them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I would say like in person, a lot of our youths who are in the foster care system, group homes, who tend to be missing from care a lot, who end up in this person's house, this person's house, and then they find Mr. Wonderful who lets, lets the youth stay there. He has his own apartment. The sex is great. He's buying her nice things. You know, he has my back. Her friends are saying, oh, my God, girl, where'd you meet him? He's so nice to you. Right. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden. It's like, can you do this for me just this once? Listen, baby, I know I I don't really want to ask you this, but I've been holding down the apartment. I've been looking out for you. I'm a little short on the rent. If you could do this for me just this once. And of course, the youth who was looking for love in all the wrong places anyway, right, Mm -hmm. thinks that, oh, my God, I found Mr. Wonderful. I've been living here for like a month or two months. And our youth are usually used to being missing from care and they might get to spend the night somewhere, but they usually will put them out, you know, have sex with them. You got to leave after a day or two. But Mr. Wonderful is, you know, mm-hmm. taking them shopping, you know, all this stuff. And seduction is the most powerful of the four because that's the one when we try and help that they might tell us to F off. And the youth are not using terms like that's my exploiter or that's my pimp. That's mm-hmm. my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's my boyfriend. And you do things yes. for a boyfriend that you wouldn't do for other people. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And when you think of, you know, like the media will show like you've tied to a radiator or, you know, that nonsense that the media portrays what human trafficking is. 
And I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but my life, my choice, we've been around for almost 20 years. I founded our mentoring program back in 2004. We have yet to get a case where they said found in a basement, chained to a radiator. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And people use terms like um, we rescued. There's no such thing as rescue. Now, if I found a youth chained to a radiator in a basement, I can use the term rescue then because they're never going to go back to that situation. What I want people to be clear, particularly around the seduction tactic, is that you think of a cult leader, right, who gets their followers to believe what they believe, see the world through their eyes, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing here. They are on lockdown, absolutely, but the chains are invisible. The most powerful way to lock someone up is mentally. You get more out of them. You can control them easier mentally than locking them up in a room or tying up, right? And who, let's keep it 100. Who's, what buyer in most cases, you know, yeah, I want to buy that person. I'm coming to buy that person that's in your basement chained up. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's not, that's not how this, this works. The brainwashing is in such a way that makes the victim believe that this is, you know, I think of myself, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is my man. You know, mm-hmm. when I saw the bias, hi, honey, you know, acting like I was having a good time when my skin was crawling each and every time. Right. But that was the power that, in my case, the seduction, right? Mm-hmm. That's my boyfriend. And I am happy to do this for him. We are, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm da- you know, I have his back. And so people being really mindful of what it really looks like versus what you might see the media portray what human trafficking is. Did you know that this podcast has been going on for 14 years? Yep, 14. We got in on the very beginning before podcasting was a thing. That means the good news for you, well, first, we have a lot of experience. But second, the good news for you is that we have a huge treasure trove, a library of archive shows that are directly on point for your role as an adoptive foster or kinship parent. So you can access this archive by subscribing to our podcast, subscribing or following wherever, whatever is, uh, whatever podcast app you use, just search for our name and please subscribe or follow today. Are foster children disproportionately represented in the sexually exploited population? Absolutely. Let me tell you, 88% of the youth we serve at My Life, My Choice are in our child welfare system. 88%. And out of that 88%, probably at least half of them are in foster homes. And what makes all the youth, right? Because I consider even kids in foster home are overseen by the Department of Children and Families, right? Mm-hmm. Until they're adopted, right? Mm-hmm. And they're our most vulnerable population. And a lot of them are youth of color, right? Mm-hmm. Who are sold at an even lower rate than a white child might be sold. And so, you know, sexism, classism, racism, all of that plays out in the world of exploitation as well. And 
exploiters know who those youth are. They know the youth from the group homes. They know the youth who are in foster care. Why? The youth, again, they're giving out more information. When I think of the prevention groups that I've ran over the years at my life, my choice to prevent youth, we have a 10-week prevention curriculum in which is used in 34 states across the country and in Canada. And we go in schools, group homes, et cetera. And when I'm running those groups, one of the things that I found is that a lot of the youth who are in foster care, foster homes or in group homes who have a history of being missing from care, they tend to tell, you know, some random person that they don't know at the time is an exploiter. I'm in a foster home or I'm in a group home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm usually really straightforward with the youth. And I would always say them jokingly, but serious. I'm like, well, sweetie, you're kind of an amateur because if you're leaving the program, you know, you know, you got to talk their language. If I were you, sweetie, I'd stay in the program because this is amateur behavior. People who you don't tell strangers that you're in a foster home or you're in a group home. So, sweetie, you should stay in the foster home or the group home to be safe. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because you're giving exploiters the information, the exact information that they're looking for to take advantage of you. Even if they're not people who want to sell you, even if it's about meeting their needs. You know what I'm saying? Because they know that you're in a vulnerable situation. Mm-hmm. And, and I say that to you to say, you know, I think now, you know, I don't have exact numbers. I don't mentor like I used to, but the last time I checked, you know, we had a caseload serving right now, at least 200 and something kids. And, um, out of that two something, mostly most, you know, again, 88% of them are either they're in our child welfare system, mm-hmm. whether it's a group home or a foster home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I would imagine that, that our kids are particularly our foster children or our children who've experienced trauma of any sort are particularly vulnerable Yes, because they're seeking connection. They're seeking love for any, any number of reasons. Mm-hmm. Well, we're looking for love in all the wrong places. Wouldn't you be looking for love if, if you were in the foster care system, if your parents weren't there because of substance abuse, when you're a youth, you don't understand that your parent is suffering from an, from an illness or severe mental health. You think your parent is choosing the drugs over you. Mm-hmm. My mother loves drugs more than she loves me, right? And so when kids are in those systems, we all want love, right? And so... What happens is we're working with youth who are looking for love in all the wrong places. Mm -hmm. They're looking for someone to replace the love that they're not getting from their mother or they're Mm -hmm. not getting from their father. Right. Mm -hmm. We all want to belong. We Mm -hmm. all want to feel that we're a part of something, particularly the, the abandonment. Give an example. I've listened the youth that I've worked with. I've seen things like, you know, Audrey, my mother's going to come see me next week. I haven't seen her in two years. My worker said she can come see me. And then the mother doesn't show up. Then the youth says to me, and I'm, I can't tell you how many youth have said this to me. Mom doesn't show up. What happens? 
you go to the foster home for the visit, right? The next week, right? Because we're mentoring, we see them weekly and you get there and they're like, she took off yesterday because mom didn't show up. And the youth have said to me, Audrey, I don't care anymore. Mm -hmm. And so when you, even as an adult, if I walk out of my building right now with an attitude of F it, because that's what they say, F it, I don't Mm -hmm. care anymore. Even as a grown up, what kind of trouble am I going to get into? Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. right when I go yep. out there with it, with that attitude as mm-hmm. an adult? So imagine a youth whose parent let them down. What sounds bet? What sounds good? You're so cute. Oh, baby, I've been looking for someone like you. Baby, mm-hmm. I love you. Listen, f that foster home. And those people, they're just getting a check. Baby, we can stack money and I'll take care of you. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And that is what I hear so often. If someone feels unloved, they're going to search for it. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it doesn't fall in what we think is, is healthy. Right. Almost never in that case, if you're you're exactly. Yeah, exactly. What about sexual exploitation of boys? Is it, does oh, it, is yes. it similar or different from the exploitation of girls? Well, we know that there was John Jay College did a study uh, some years ago in New York. And uh, one of the things that they found, the average age for boys, I believe, was 15 years old. And some so of the older. Yeah, they're coming in older, which is good. Yeah, some of the boys, I mean, it's not good. They're still a minor. They're 15, still, yeah, but and it's, it's still better than 12. Men. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it depends on the, their mental because you could be 15 and have a mental, right? Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So what we have to be mindful. Children are children, right? Whatever the exactly. age, they're, they're children. We have mm-hmm. to really keep that up front. Very and true. I say that because due to all the trauma, most of the youth that we're working with, even if they're 15, eight mm-hmm. out of 10 of them mentally are 12, right? Mm-hmm. Or younger. Um, or or young, younger. Right, mentally, right? And so Development, that, that makes we call them it vulnerable. developmental, yeah. Yes, and that also makes them very vulnerable. And mm-hmm. so what we found with the boys was this, most of it is peer-driven. Boys are less likely to have exploiters. It's not unheard of, but where the abuse comes with the boys are the adult men who are purchasing them, right? So we have to remember, like boys might get put out of their home because of their sexual orientation or this, their, you know, ex, their sexual, ex, you know, how they dress and they get put out of their homes and it's usually their peers who will show them how to survive on the street, right? Mm-hmm. But the harm is that it is men who buy sex and it is men who buy sex from the girls, from the boys, and from the trans youth, right? Mm -hmm. But yes, our boys are out there and exploitation does occur, but they don't have exploiters at the rate that girls have, right? Meaning someone who's profiting from the sale of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I see the distinction. We want to thank Children's House International for their support of the Creating a Family show. Children's House International is a Hague-accredited international adoption agency, currently placing children from 14 countries with families throughout the U.S. 
They also provide consulting for international surrogacy. Thanks, Children's House International. So what can parents do to protect their children from sexual exploitation? Be they a foster child or a child that's been adopted from foster care or a child that's in your home, a birth child, but our our demographics, we, we aim for the foster, adoptive, and kinship. So what can parents do to combat this and and to protect their children. Talk about it. Here's the thing. I have some great news. I don't know when the finished, the product will be finished. I know next month, uh, Nikki Valila and I, who was the director of training at My Life, My Choice, we did a video for foster parents some years ago. And that particular video ended up being owned by our Department of Children and Families. Uh-huh. But next month, we will be making a series of videos specifically for foster parents. Excellent. And so what I would encourage people to do, we'll be doing the filming. And if I had to guess, after editing and so forth, it, and we'll own that, we'll have the rights to that. And so I just want to say out loud, our organization is called My Life, My Choice. You can put my contact information, Audrey Morrissey, co-executive director of My Life, My Choice. Check our website, reach out to me. And once that video is edited and ready to, and I don't know how we're marketing it. I don't know if we're selling it. I don't know how that's going to go yet. But we are we are working on that right okay. now. The website is mylifemychoice.org. And this would be sometime in the first half of 2022. So people can uh, go check the website out there. So what are some specific things that you can tell parents now that they could do to protect their children? One, talk about it. Yes. Bring it up. Let them know. That, that you're aware that this exists and the dangers of sharing any type of information online and that most people are not who they say they are online. So that's that would be certainly one thing. What's another thing that parents can do to protect their children from sexual exploitation? Well, making sure, again, it depends on what state you're in. You could look, go onto My Life, My Choice website as well, Kyle Munchkin is our director of prevention. And as I said, our groups are ran in 34 states across the country. So one thing to do is you can look her up as well to see if our prevention groups are ran in your area in any of the schools. She'll be more than happy to help you with that. Mm-hmm. That's a good resource. If not, the bottom line is we have to sit down with our youth talk about it and and ask here's the thing because a lot of times this has happened to our youth and they haven't said anything if they're coming into your home part of that interview process just like they are sitting with you meeting you ask them have you ever had to exchange sex for money food shelter and if they ask you why are you asking that all you have to do is say i asked all foster kids that question, you know, because I want to support you if that has happened to you. And I say that because 
if you talk about it and let youth know this is a safe space, it's okay to talk about that here, they're more likely to come to you, right? Meaning if they meet some guy and then they're saying, hey, you know something about this guy asked me for this, that, and the third, and you're able to say, you know, that doesn't sound right. You want a you want youth to know that you care about what happens out there. You want them to know that exploitation is real, right? And being honest with youth saying, and I understand your vulnerabilities. I know that it's, you know, life has dealt you a hand that can be difficult at times, but let's talk about that and prevent anyone from taking advantage of that because people are mean and nasty and they will take advantage of your mishap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you have to talk about it. You have to, you have to have those conversations. But what I'm really what I'm really excited about, again, that I'm gonna I'm going to say, and you and I can be in connection so that you can get it out to your audience that we will have videos mm-hmm. and they're specifically for foster parents, but now you just have to talk about it. So yeah, okay, so talking about it, letting your youth know that this is a safe place and that you're not blaming them because oftentimes they're blaming themselves at this point. So letting you know that this is a non-judgment zone, that this is happening to you. We are a safe place to talk about it. Also, as much as you can, be aware of where your kids are going. I mean, if they're leaving and they're and they're out for a night, don't just assume if they say they're at, at their girlfriend's house that that's where they are. That's right. That's right. Make those calls. Check with other parents. Do you know my daughter or my son's coming? Just wanted to check with you. She's right before you let your youth go. And here's the thing. If you start noticing the youth coming in with expensive things like a high-end phone, high-end hairstyles, upgrade in clothing, mm-hmm. maybe a tattoo like a dollar sign or a barcode on the back of their neck, those are like be aware of the, the red flags, uh, hanging out with older kids, mm-hmm. you know, paying attention if they were like, you know, they come into your home and they're in jeans and sneakers. And then next week they have lashes, weave, Mm -hmm. right. A mini skirt. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about a slow transition because I think of myself, you know, I always wore jeans and sneakers. I was the girl, I don't wear dresses. And then when I started to, it was like, I started off wearing one once a week, you know, I had to transition Mm -hmm. into the girly thing. I'm talking about a transition that happens overnight. And I mean, right down to, I remember a clinician called me one year. The red flag for her was that the youth had been missing from care for the whole weekend and came back with a very expensive hairdo. Mm -hmm. And the youth, of course, denied it, but had been exploited. And the thing is, if if the change, it, it requires money. So you're noticing that the changes, you know, nice nails, a weave, whatever, you're noticing and it requires money, then somebody is providing the money. That's right. That's right. And the money is usually provided from the back and the sale of that young man who's living in your home, right? So being mindful of the goods and also exploitation sometimes is not always cash. 
sometimes the exchange is goods, right? Meaning some adult male might be having sex with that youth and buying them things. Mm -hmm. So really paying attention when you know, let's just say you're a foster parent and you, you know, you're a foster and a child that's from your neighborhood. You might even know who the parents are and they might, right. And you know, that family, if the youth is in contact with the family and you know, they can't afford it. That was another red flag. You know what I'm saying? Like this kid had things that they knew that the family couldn't afford when the kid lied and said, oh, my mother brought it for me. They knew Mm -hmm. the family couldn't afford it. So be really, really paying attention to those things. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So any other final words for be they foster adoptive parents and how to protect their kids? This is such good. The red flags are such good connecting it to any type of Something that's going to take money and the, and the money will be required to buy is another good. Any any parting words for our audience on how to protect their children from sexual exploitation? What first I want to say thank you to the foster parents who are willing and the adoptive parents. We need more of you. Mm-hmm. But what I will say to you is to be more effective again. And I'll say this over and over again. Go to the My Life, My Choice website. One thing that we offer, if nothing else, one of the most important things that we offer are trainings on commercial sexual exploitation of children. So if you don't understand the issue, I would strongly suggest going on our site, seeing when we're having those trainings and show up to get to get the education that you need because you can't support exploited youth if, or you can't prevent exploitation if you're not trained in the area and know what to look for yourself. So mm-hmm. take the time and assume, don't, if, as a foster parent, don't assume, oh, that I, the youth that I'll be taken in, that won't be their issue. You don't know. This is information that anyone who is housing youth, working with youth, this is information that folks should get. So again, reach out and we will, we do trainings all year long on commercial sexual exploitation of children. Okay. We also, so please look us up. Okay. Thank you so much, Audrey Morrissey, for being with us today to talk about this topic. We truly appreciate it. Thank you.